Hello and welcome to the August 30th, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Of course, my name is Mr. Joe, and it is awesome to be back out there with you and to have you here with me because it's been quite some time. And when our lives change for the better, or believe it or not, when they change for the worse, that's when Mr. Joe seems to podcast more. when things are going bad, I need it, I think, more for myself. And I've discussed that. I don't want to sound selfish, but this for me is therapeutic. And if I can help myself while I'm helping my audience, then so be it. At least I'm being honest with everybody out there. When things are going good, Mr. Joe wants to share those things. But at the same token, it allows me to get back to what this podcast is all about, and that is to help everybody out there who is listening to Mr. Joe, who has given me the honor to actually turn on whatever device you're using and press that play button and listen to my voice and allow me into your life and allow me into your home and allow you allow me to educate you and share my life and my experiences and hopefully help you get through some of your toughest moments and maybe laugh a little bit and relate to Mr. Joe and um really be a family and th- and that's what Mr. Joe's podcast is all about and I I feel like we need to get back to that and I'm hoping that because my life has tra- changed dramatically for the better that will allow me to concentrate more on the the premise behind Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast, and that is to speak about mental illness, to speak about all the mental illnesses that we might suffer from, whether it be bipolar disorder, bipolar 1, bipolar 2, obsessive-compulsive disorder, anxiety, depression, mania, post-traumatic stress disorder, schizoaffective disorder, whatever it might be, whatever you guys are dealing with, we we are all intertwined, and in one way or another, we're all dealing with it. And I think back to some of my earlier podcasts in which I would hold the DSM-5 in front of me and go through criteria, and I don't know how enjoyable that all was. I think the audience out there uh, enjoys my personal experiences more in, in, in which I can relate to the mental illness and we could work on it together. But then again, I guess every once in a while, having that education piece uh, so you can almost analyze your behavior and figure out what, what in the heck is going on with your brain or with your life, I guess that is somewhat helpful. And I'd like to get back to all of that. But before I get to any of that, I, I want to spend... No more than five minutes, because quite honestly, maybe seven minutes, and 
even seven minutes is pushing it because quite honestly I feel like this is a waste of my breath and a waste of my time and I'm going to start by saying this and we've never talked about how many episodes Mr. Joe has done or produced I've never talked about the number of people that are listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast but guess what I looked it up right before I started this podcast because it was very important that I had the exact number up into the very minute that Mr. Joe was doing this recording. And this is an exact number, and I want everybody to know out there that if you're listening to me, there are exactly 111,202 other people listening. Now, the number was 111203, but I said there are actually, if you're the listener, <laughs> I, I subtracted one. So um, instead of saying 1,111 to 1,000, oh, God, this, this goes to show you um, how, how bad of math Mr. Joe is. 111,000, dear God almighty. The number of there are exactly up until this moment, 111,202 people listening to this podcast. And I don't know if I said that correctly. The number that I got was 111,203. So, you know, I say 202 because uh, I want you to think about there are that many other people besides yourself listening. 111,200. And three people have tuned in to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast, and I am absolutely honored. And 99.9% of you out there, I consider to be my family. The other 1% or ten, whatever it is, okay, point whatever percentage... I actually consider to be my real life family. And what I mean by that is it's come to my attention that certain people know who Mr. Joe is. And, and you would think with that many, you know, when you have 50,000, 100,000 people listening to you all over the world, there is going to come a time where somebody is going to recognize you. And it's it's evident to me that people certain people have figured out who I am and that small number of people are actually talking amongst each other and one thing you're going to know is when you're what you're going to learn is when you're a good person and I don't want to sound conceited or overconfident or, or cocky but when you're a good person and relatively Mr. Joe is a good person somebody who listens somebody who is honest somebody who um in, in, in all in all reality doesn't talk behind anybody's back it's all right here it's all right here on a podcast now what people fail to understand and and I'm not referring to my family the 99.9% you all know that I take names and I change them and I take positions and I change them somebody who might be a manager I might call a worker somebody who might be a director I might call a senior director somebody who might be a direct support staff I might call 
a CEO. As a matter of fact, I believe there were only two podcasts or two instances in which I was very forthcoming about situations in terms of describing the situation. I think one of them happened to be about an email that I received from somebody at one point in my life where they were reaching out to me and... um, I don't even remember, but I vaguely remember being very upfront about this particular person, possibly even slipping up with the person's name. Um, I know I've been very upfront with my best friend Tad. Um, I've never, I've never tried to cover up who he is and what he is, but uh, I think there was one other instance where I, I kind of um, might have slipped up a little bit, and again. Only that very small percentage of people who happen to know Mr. Joe will recognize or understand what I'm talking about. But clearly people have figured me out. We've already been talking about this for way too long. And it's very, very sad that at the age of 30, 40, 50 years old, that people still like to gossip. I find that amazing. I find it absolutely amazing that people have nothing better to do in their lives than to gossip. Don't you think you have a job to do? Don't you think you have something better to concentrate on in terms of what you're supposed to do for a living and what you're supposed to do for your family? And quite honestly, most of you what you're supposed to do with your own mental health. The mental health that I've listened to many of you speak about in chairs, like I'm your therapist, rattling on and on and on about your life. And Mr. Joe, always listen. But here's the thing. Like I said, you have a job to do, so do it. And stop worrying about us. And when I say us, that means the 99.9% of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast audience because we are what matters. You, and when I say you, I'm referring to the 99.9, the people on Twitter, the people who email me, the people who like my Twitter posts, the people who I like their Twitter posts, the people who retweet, the people who um, interact with Mr. Joe. And, and let's, let's be real, and I'll say it, this is how I'll define it. The people who only know Mr. Joe by knowing Mr. Joe through a podcast. That's my family. And I will say this, just to clear the air for those of you who like to gossip, and then we're going to finish it off. The most important people in my life, besides my wife and my children, and you're going to find this to be absolutely amazing, but I'm going to say it. After my wife and my children... And you know what, let's throw my immediate family in there, like my sister and things of that nature, okay? Let's get rid of them right now, okay? Those those go without saying. I'm going to give you the order in which people matter to me. Number one is my podcast audience. And this is not bull crap. It takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of dedication to get on this podcast and do it. And whether I'm doing it every other day, once a week, once every two weeks, it takes time. And a person only takes time out of their life when they care about other people. 
I love my audience. I have said time and time again that I will never ever stop doing this and Mr. Joe will continue to do this until the day that he dies. And that's important for my podcast audience to know. And again, podcast audience meaning those of you who know Mr. Joe only by knowing Mr. Joe through your speaker, through your phone, through your computer, whatever it might be. You're number one. Number two, very close to my family, becomes my friends, the friends that I had growing up. And you all know who you are, led by Tad. I don't think any of the other friends really listen to my podcast. It doesn't really matter. Um, they don't need to listen to my podcast. They know my life probably better than I know it myself. We text all day long. We talk all day long. We've known each other since we're three years old, and I still got the same friends. And that's actually quite amazing. It really is, to have that same group of friends for so many years. And there's really five of us now, including myself, that have really stuck together. And there used to be eight. We're down to five. But even those other three, you know, if I saw them tomorrow, would be le just like I was, you know, like I saw them yesterday and that they've been a part of my life forever. And number three, and it's very important that you all understand this, number three, the third most important people in my life are a combination of people, two people, and those of you who have listened to me know this for sure. And I'm going to say right now, off the bat, Number one is a particular person from work, and that person is my boss. There is nobody that I have been more close with, or closer, I believe that's the correct grammar, closer with over the last seven years, nobody that I've admired more, nobody that I've learned more from, Nobody that I've respected more, and quite honestly, nobody that I've really enjoyed my time with more than my boss. Other than one person who is of equal status to my boss, but is important to me in a very different way than my boss, because if my boss ever pissed me off, and she very rarely did that, not only could I tell her to f her face if I had a disagreement with her, which we very rarely did, but if I wanted to talk a little bit more about it, I could always go to this other person. And apparently, at one point in time, I called this person a hot mess. <laughs> and I cannot, you know what, I was going to waste my time and go back in my podcast and try to find where I might have called this person. And, and God's honest truth, if I did, it was probably me referring to somebody else and the, the point zero zero point one percent of the people that I'm referring to that like to gossip and talk nonsense for no reason whatsoever. Um, they might think that I'm referring to this person as the hot mess. And, and, and you know what? If I did, there was probably a reason for it. Maybe I was angry with her that day. Maybe I called her a mess to her face that day because that's the kind of relationship that we had. I'll go on record saying that it's, I'm almost positive that I did not. I don't think I've ever used the word hot mess in my life. I, I, I don't, I, I can never, I, I mean, that's, that to me is a gossip term. Mr. Joe doesn't use that, but let's call her hot mess because maybe if she ever does listen to this, she'll get a chuckle out of it. 
hot mess was my bestest friend in the world over at my company. I never adored anybody, never loved somebody, never enjoyed the company of anybody more than this person. And not only did I t trust her with my secrets, I trust this person with my life, and I still do. And, you know, it's almost that guilty feeling. You know, when somebody calls you out on something and you know you didn't do anything wrong, but you know in your heart that they just don't believe you, it's, just, it's a real sucky feeling. So if you're going to gossip, make sure you go back and tell the hot mess what I've said about her tonight. Because regardless of what's been said before, that's how I feel about them. And here's the saddest thing of all. And this will be the very last thing that I say. The people that I'm referring to who have figured out who Mr. Joe is and decided to analyze and dissect every single thing that I say about people that they might know, I actually still love them too. I love them too. They were my family. They were my family. Yeah, we all talk crap about each other. I know they talk crap about me. I very rarely talk crap about them. You know, and again, if I did say anything, I said it to their face. Always. Always. And if they talk crap about me, so what? Who cares? You know, it was never truly gossip. It was a family. A family of co-workers who were close and families fight. And families talk about one another. And the fact that I'm no longer there, and you have all now decided to talk about Mr. Joe and what my intentions are on this podcast is absolutely despicable. And that's it. That's all I want to say about that. So now, enough. I've wasted way too much time. My God, we're 18 minutes in. And I have ranted and raved, and I have annoyed my audience more than you could ever imagine, and I will never spend another second of my time talking about my previous place of employment. I will never bring up as much as I love my boss, as much as I love my co-worker, the hot mess, quote-unquote. They'll, they'll never come out of my mouth again. That place is over. That place is done. That place is a, is a thing of the past. And here is what I learned. I learned that if you are motivated enough, and quite honestly, if you're put in a position where you have to support a family, take care of children, maintain your mental health and your stability and make sure that you don't spiral out of control because you are so stressed out that you end up in a hospital, when you are put under that pressure, in combination with the fact that you cannot even feed your family, a lot of times you could make things work. And Mr. Joe is proud to announce that as of yesterday, I was hired for a new job. And I will absolutely not get into specifics. And it, it, it upsets me because my my vast majority of my audience deserves to know you deserve to know but you know what i can't i can't because too many people are discovering who mr joe is and i need to protect 
the new people who I am with because this is going to be my new family. And in a nutshell, I will tell you this. Mr. Joe will be overseeing seven different plants. And we call them plants. That's what we're going to call them. We'll call them plants. And I'm overseeing them all. And these seven plants have been established and purchased in actually four different states. One state being Mr. Joe's neighborhood and the other three states obviously being out of state, quite far away, believe it or not. Each and, one, each and every one of those states you've got to hop on a plane to get to. And in Mr. Joe's neighborhood, besides these seven plants that I'm overseeing, and when I say overseeing, building them from the ground up, overseeing the legal team, overseeing the clinical team, overseeing the technological team, there are already six other established, established plants in Mr. Joe's neighborhood. This company that I am working for in Mr. Joe's particular state happens to be the biggest organization in all of Mr. Joe's neighborhood and quite possibly serving a population of people that might be the biggest in all of the United States. And I am proud and I am honored and I am beside myself and I cannot believe that I have succeeded in landing this job. I really can't. And um, I got to tell you, it's it wasn't easy. First of all, I, I got hired on the spot. You know, people talk in this industry. And when this particular person found out that I was no longer with um, the old company, they reached out to me and they asked me to meet. And I met, and I was hired on the spot, and I was not comfortable with the amount of salary that was offered to me, but I was so excited to have a job, I took it. Then I came home, and I started figuring things out, and I said to myself, I'm not going to be able to survive on this salary, but I'm starting in a new place, and it, I have to be, I have to understand that, you know, I was at another place for seven years. You work your way up, but at the same time, I knew that I couldn't survive, so... I called my boss on the phone, my new boss, first day in, and I told him exactly how I felt. I told him exactly how much money I needed. He told me to call HR, let them know, and that him and I would work something out. And ultimately, we worked something out, and he gave me exactly what I wanted. And I'm not going to get into salary right now, but I will tell you this, I'm making a heck of a lot more than I was making at the old company. And... I have to ask myself, and this is really what this podcast is about, because I said and I promised that we were going to get back to mental health. I have asked myself over the course of the last 24 hours, because of what I was able to accomplish yesterday, and here's what I'll tell you, on top of negotiating my salary within a 24-hour time frame, as a matter of fact, and you're going to find this insane, I was able to negotiate $34,000 more than what I was initially offered. Could you imagine that? And on top of that, I was invited to a meeting yesterday 
for a discussion about the seven plants that I will be overseeing. And that meeting was to take place from 3 to 5, and now I had just finished my negotiations around 1.30. Now, you and I both know that when you have bipolar disorder, spur-of-the-moment stuff is not easy. So here is Mr. Joe now saying, oh my God, i got to iron I gotta figure something out to wear. What do I gotta wear at this meeting? What do I gotta look like? What? Well, oh my God, my wife's not home. I'm panicking. I'm saying, I was able to work this out, and now I'm gonna go to this meeting looking like a slob. And then I slowed down, and I said, Wait a second, you have this man's respect. You love this man already. Call him up and ask him what to wear. And here I am ironing all these dress pants and dress shirts, and I said, Call him up. And I say, new boss, what do I wear to this? And he goes, wow, no one's ever asked me that, Mr. Joe. They just come and they dress how they want. Good for you. Good for you, Mr. Joe. He said, you could actually wear shorts. <laughs> I was so relieved. So I went in shorts. And you all know, again, with bipolar disorder, man, last-minute stuff is not our thing. We do not do well with last-minute stuff, but yet, once I knew I could wear shorts, I went into that meeting like a raging maniac, talkative, intelligent, focused, excited even to be there. And then, on top of that, I found out that I was invited to a dinner with the boss in which we had to host a dinner, myself and boss man, and my new two new team members that will be working side by side with me, um, we had to try to recruit somebody else to um, oversee one of the, or at least manage one of the plants. So we went out to dinner, and again, normally Mr. Joe would be making excuses, and don't get me wrong, early in the morning, that same morning, yesterday, before I really knew what was going on, while I was worrying about my salary and unsure how to go about it and lack of confidence in how to approach it. I wrote an email back to the dinner invite and I said, oh, I don't know if I could um, work it out. My wife is working, which she was. But I knew that, you know, something new like this, my wife would change her schedule around for me. But I made sure that I said, she was working. I'm trying to get childcare. I don't know if I can make it. Well, you know what? Once I squared everything away and I had that confidence level, I went to dinner. I went to dinner and I loved it. I loved every minute of it. So here's the question I have for myself and I have for my audience. Is it confidence or is it mania? Was Mr. Joe Manic? Was Mr. Joe just confident? Because I will say this. Over the last month, I'd say just about every other night, Mr. Joe has woke up with nightmares, specifically about the insurance, the health insurance that I will not have. And thank goodness I will have now with this company. But you know what? Even with all those nightmares, I am going to be without health insurance for 60 days and I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> It'll be fine. We'll work it out. It is what it is. My kids will be covered, and my wife and I will work it out. 
Whereas, listen, over the last month when I had no direction, no idea where I was going to be, no confidence, no, no desire to some days even go on. I was having nightmares every single night, waking up in hot sweats, cold sweats, whatever they're called, who knows. Unable to get back to bed, thinking about the worst possible scenario for my life. So again, I asked myself, was this confidence or is this mania? And I have to say this. Clearly, we all know that when we are stressed out, a lot of times stress will trigger the symptoms of bipolar disorder. And undoubtedly, over the last month, the stress has been astronomical for me. But for the most part, I feel like I have dealt with it pretty well. There were days where I was extremely depressed. The mixed episodes came on very rapidly at times. There were days where I really struggled. But for the most part, you know, I look back on it and I say to myself, all in all, it wasn't so bad. And I, I did say this. I said, when I lost my job, I said, one day I am going to look back on this and I'm going to say, this is the reason why. This is the reason why Mr. Joe lost his job and all that struggling and all that pain that I went through really wasn't going to matter anymore because now here I am with something new. But at the same token, the way I say stress affects bipolar does does good news does a release or a relief of stress cause bipolar because I'm going to tell you right now I am flying high and I can't I can't determine whether or not this is just me being happy or me being manic and I, I just can't put my finger on it I don't know I don't know. I know this, that I've been very, very talkative. Uh, but I feel as if it's almost like the mania wants to come out, but the medication is keeping it at bay, if that makes any sense. Um, now, here's the other thing. And it's amazing because you know, I don't want to sound like a complainer, but I'm going to say this anyway. Nothing for Mr. Joe ever seems to go smoothly. It's almost like every time I get a bit of good information, it's followed up with bad, and it's always, something's always testing Mr. Joe's mind. My wife and I and little Mickey today, we had a doctor's appointment specifically for her pregnancy, in which she was having her 11-week uh, sonogram, which was a big one. The baby's growing. You could actually see the baby now where you could put the sonogram tool on her belly doesn't have to be put internally inside her and you could see the baby you could hear the heartbeat you could see it's a person now it is a person now not a person enough where you could know the sex however we took a blood test today and in 10 days we will know the sex of the baby although my wife would like to do another gender reveal thing I mean, guys, last time we did it in a cake, and I had to cut through, and you see the blue, and then you know it's a boy, and I guess it was kind of exciting. Listen, I'm going, uh, I want to know. In 10 days, I want to call that doctor's office, and I want to know. I want to know what I'm having, but it's more important for me to make my wife happy, 
And it's almost more important for my wife to make her family happy, including my children or her stepchildren. It's very important for her. So I have to respect that. I know she, uh, you know, she knows that my children loved what happened last time and how excited they were. I, I mean, my, my older son, he cried <laughs> when he found out he was having a little baby brother. So I'll let her enjoy it. I'm just going to, I'm going to go on record saying that if I had the opportunity to find out in 10 days and I had the choice, I'd probably pick the 10 days. But as long as it makes my wife happy, that is what we'll do. We'll have a gender reveal. And apparently, we're going to get a box with balloons in it. And, you know, you drop off the sealed envelope. It's almost like the Grammys. Drop off the sealed envelope at the party place. And they stuff the box up with balloons of the color pink or blue. And you open up the box in front of everybody and the balloons go flying. Obviously, they're on a string because you don't want all those helium balloons in the environment. So they fly up real high on a string and you know what you have. And so that'll be in about three weeks. I think it's September 23rd. So around then, I'll be updating everybody on what Mr. Joe is having. And a part of me, you know, I do want another girl. I want boy, girl, boy, girl. I do. I know we say as long as it's healthy, which is going to get me to my next point, um, you know, it really doesn't matter. And if, if I do have another boy, I have to look at it from this perspective. Then I have my little princess, Sarah Lee, and she will be my only girl and the three boys. So any way you look at it, it's going to be a positive experience, okay? Um, doesn't really matter to me, but... Here is what Mr. Joe was getting at and what I was saying that, you know, you get good news, you get bad news. So the doctor comes in, you know, up, oh, you know, gained, you didn't really gain any weight, but that's not a concern. You actually lost weight from last time. Um, the sonogram looks absolutely perfect. Everything is great. The baby's heart rate was whatever it was. Everything looks good. However... Mrs. Mr. Bipolar Joe. Something interesting came up in which, and listen, I don't know the exact terms, everybody, but apparently my wife is a carrier of the genetic chromosome for deafness. And, man, when I heard this, and I know it could be worse, guys, I know that being deaf is not as bad as it can be. Somebody who works with autism, and I'm not saying autism is worse. Everybody's an individual. There are good cases and bad cases and difficult cases and easy cases. You know, the, it all depends. But, you know, I, I, I would rather not have a child that's deaf. Um, so the doctor turns to me and she says, well, here's the deal. Across the street, we have a genetic testing place. Here's a prescription for you, Mr. Joe. You have to immediately go get your blood drawn and your genetics tested. And if you are also a carrier, then we need to talk because there is a high probability that, you know, this baby might be deaf. And when they say high probability, I mean, instead of 0%, it's like 25%. Um, if I'm not a carrier of it, apparently we have nothing to worry about. Now, I know this, in my side of the family and my wife's side of the family, we do not have any 
relatives that have hearing problems of any kind. Um, so I don't know. I'm hopeful. I went across the street. I had my blood drawn. And here's the most interesting thing and in how funny life works. Today is August 30th. Tomorrow is my very last day of insurance coverage. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if we would have waited or if I couldn't get an appointment and I had to wait around to see the genetic testing or have the genetic testing in two months from now? Mr. Joe might as well. I, I, you know what? I told you, Mr. Joe has a lot of tattoos. I might as well have gone to a tattoo parlor and had the word wackadoo tattooed across my forehead because that's what I would have been for the next two months if I had to wait to take that genetic testing. Okay? I'm already a wackadoo over it. My friends are yelling at me saying, stop worrying about something that you don't even know yet. But that's what we do. Impending doom. We, we, we are worried about everything. Absolutely worried about everything. Now, here is the other thing that I recognized. And I know this is a little bit off topic. Because the truth is, I don't have any answers as to whether it's confidence or mania. I know this again. I am flying high. So, you know, maybe you know. Maybe there's a... You know, it's funny because I can so easily detect what depression is as compared to sadness. But I guess... Here's the thing. I guess because mania is, in some aspect, confidence... That is why it is so difficult for me to dis- distinguish what is going on. Because with me, hypomania has a level of confidence like no other. So I have to imagine that I am hypomanic right now, which is why I have that confidence. Or is it a simple simple situation as that I'm, I'm back into a situation where I'm comfortable, where I'm excited? I, I don't know. I don't know. I know what I'm going to do now with these seven plants is a heck of a lot easier than Mr. Joe going into a high school classroom and trying to teach science or math and not knowing what the heck I'm doing. I mean, guys, it took me six tries to read off. And and, and I always, listen, there are certain things that I'm very, very intelligent with when it comes to numbers. One of those things has always been identifying 1,300,000, you know, whatever, whatever the number, 372,000. You know, I, I, I never had a problem with that. I never had a problem with comprehension. I never had a problem with addition, subtraction on a paper, division, multiplication, all the basic stuff, you know, square roots, things like that, even a little bit of algebra here and there. But for Mr. Joe to struggle with the, with the number 111,000, for me to say the, the, the number 11,100, <laughs> I mean, that's what I was doing before, okay, in terms of my listeners. You, you know, you gotta, you got to understand, Mr. Joe is a little off the wall when it comes to that stuff. And the fact that even then I was struggling with it, I had to hit pause and go back and um, restate the number finally at the end, goes to show you that Mr. Joe is a heck of a lot more confident in the seven-plant job that I will be inserted into as of September 4th, 2018, in comparison to me standing up in front of a classroom and attempting to teach math or science, because I just can't do it. Can't do it. 
Give me a classroom with autism, an ABA, Applied Behavior Analysis, and I'll knock it out of the park. But man, anything else, not going to be so hot. Not going to be so hot. Now, I feel like I had something else to say and kind of lost my train of thought. Oh, here's the other thing I wanted to say. Because of all this inconsistency in terms of my thinking, my schedule, you know, being home for a month is not easy. And it's actually had an effect on my little guy, too, because he's so used to having us home now together that he's very attached again. He's got the separation anxiety going on. But here's one of the things that I noticed, and you would think that because I was home, I would be able to manage my medication better than I ever was. But because my routine was so off, my medication regimen and routine actually became off. I was a 7 a.m. medicine taker and a 7 p.m. medicine taker. That's when I took my medicine, every single day. And I have to tell you, over the last month, I have been so inconsistent. Today was 9 o'clock in the morning. Then I took my dose at 8 o'clock, I mean tonight. And that's not okay. You know, we, we really, with bipolar disorder, we really, really should try to find a common ground when it comes to our medication and take our medication, if possible, the same time every night. Listen, you mess up by 10, 15 minutes, not the end of the world. But what Mr. Joe is doing, we're talking hours apart here. So quite possibly, maybe that has something to do with my symptoms of mania or hypomania. Who knows? Maybe I'm just high with confidence. Who knows? But I would imagine that an alteration in my medication consumption is not something that is a positive thing for Mr. Joe. There's no doubt that it's, um, I don't want to say taking its toll on me, but it would just be healthier if Mr. Joe was taking his medicine at the same time. Now, I also want to say this. I want to say that I'm having a lot of fun on Twitter. I haven't been on very often, but man, the people that write to me, and there's not a whole lot of you on Twitter. You know who you are. Every It's amazing because every single time, and you know Mr. Joe is very honest with you, every single time somebody interacts with me, no matter how many times I've interacted with that particular person, I will always click on them to make sure I read their profile and know exactly who I am speaking with. And every time I click, it'll always come back to me. Oh, yep, that's the one. That's the author. Or that's the, um, you know, the advocate. Or that's the one with schizophrenia. Or, you know, I, as soon as I click, I always remember. But I'll do it every single time because I want to know about you. I don't know enough about all of you. You know a heck of a lot about me, but other than the ones that email me, I don't know a whole lot about you. And I really, 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 I'm begging you, begging you to reach out to me via email. I'd love to hear your story. As a matter of fact, if you give me permission, and I've never said this before, if you give me permission, I will gladly lead, and you know, you don't have to give me your name, but I will gladly read your story 
over on one of my podcasts because we've learned enough about Mr. Joe for now. Listen, Mr. Joe is uh, always got something going on, so believe me, if nobody nobody writes a story, we'll figure it out. Mr. Joe, Mr. Joe will still have plenty of content for his next podcast, but I want to learn about you, and I want the rest of my audience to learn about you. I want us to learn about each other, to support one another. We have the largest support system as, and as far as I'm concerned, in the entire world. Because there are some of you who are listening to me from Canada, Australia, um, God, I mean, South Africa, New Zealand. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's unbelievable. All the countries that are listening, the different countries that are actually listening to Mr. Joe. Then if you want to break it down by state, if you think about the United States, just so you know, and and I only know this because I looked tonight when I got that (laughs) 111,000 number, 111,203 people are listening to Mr. Joe. You know what's interesting? That's only my Podbean numbers. That doesn't include Google Play, doesn't include iTunes, doesn't include Stitcher, doesn't include um, Spotify. I mean, so, you know, you're talking, you're talking almost probably close to four, five hundred thousand people in our world are listening to Mr. Joe, and I am honored. I'm actually very taken back, but I guess my point is is that we all have each other. You're listening to my voice. You're listening to my story. But if you could imagine this, picture this, that somebody else, possibly down the block, around the corner, the next state over, maybe even a co-worker, or a family member for that matter, is also listening to Mr. Joe. So you guys, you guys have the same thing in common. You're listening to Mr. Joe and quite possibly maybe you share the same mental illness. So if you add it all up together, we are one big support system, one big happy family, and we need to lean on each other. Because here's the God's honest truth. No matter how good things are going for Mr. Joe in the present day, because I got a new job, I will never ever be free of the feeling that at any day, any given time, Mr. Joe can lose it all just by ending up in a hospital. Just by ending up into a mental institution because our mental illness takes a turn for the worse. And whether it be our medication stops working whether it be we're just so extremely stressed out that we've allowed our symptoms to get the best of us. And when I say allow, believe me, we usually have no control. The only thing that we do is just make them worse than they have to be because we internalize everything and 
get anxious over the way that we feel, and it's just one domino effect. So before you know it, you're a cuckoo bird, and you're sitting in a mental institution playing chair volleyball, drawing or coloring pictures for free time, sitting in group group counseling sessions, shaving with the nurses, with disposable razors, but being monitored the entire time to make sure that you don't slice your wrists. Walking around with a pair of sweatpants that used to fit you, but no longer do because you had to take the drawstring out so you don't commit suicide in the middle of the night. Trying new medications, not sleeping well in your room, not liking your roommate. Do these things all sound familiar? I haven't been in a hospital in a long time, but I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember watching Rocky 1, 2, and 3, and we were all a bunch of wackadoodles sitting there cheering for the boxing match of a movie that we all saw probably a thousand times, but we all had each other. We were all screwed up. But we were screwed up together. That's right, we were screwed up together. We watched we watched a football game in Mr. Joe's neighborhood or Mr. Joe's mental institution neighborhood where we watched the hometown win some really, really great game. And man, we hugged and we got in trouble when we hugged. <laughs> but we high-fived and we screamed and we danced and we and we 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 cheered and celebrated. Some of them were not even football fans. I know I'm certainly not, but you know what? I cheered. I went crazy when what happened happened. And we all did it without alcohol. We did it without drugs. We did it because we were protected. Because we didn't have to face the world around us. We were secluded. We were kept safe. We had no responsibilities other than to get ourselves well. And then all of a sudden, you let the tiger out of the cage. And the tiger now is in the real world trying to survive like all of us are. That we're actually waiting for, whether it's myself or Bipolar Bob or Becky from that B word or Bipolar Style well, whoever it may be, you're all waiting for that episode refresh list to pop back up and say, you know, so-and-so's got a new episode. Why? Listen, you may like my accent. You may, <laughs> you may think I'm funny. You know, you may think I'm a moron, for all I know. So you get off on listening to me act like a moron. I don't know. Whatever it is, though, you're listening, and we're listening because we need each other. We need support. We need to find or need to know that somebody out there feels the way that we feel. We need to know that all the good things that Mr. Joe's talking about, the good days that I've had over the last couple of days, we need to know that when my wife and myself and my little guy Mickey went to a diner, 
after the doctor and after I gave my blood work that Mr. Joe recalled that behind his driver's license in his wallet, he had a half a clonopin and I had to shake it out of my wallet and take it today because the anxiety hit me so hard in the, in the diner. And I don't know what it was from. Maybe it was from the whole genetic testing thing. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, that goes to show you, I don't care if it was a 0.25, which it was, a 0.50, two milligrams, whatever it is, man, I couldn't get through it without that. Or maybe because I knew it was in my wallet. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe it means I'm still a drug addict. Who knows? I don't know. What I do know is that as good as we think we might be doing, as strong as we think we might be, there are some times in life where we are still looking for that crutch, where we are still unable to control our emotions. You know, the one thing I will say is Mr. Joe is not banging his head against the wall. He's not cutting up his arms. I'm not seeing things. I'm not hearing things. I'm not. That has not happened in quite some time. Although I will say the last few days I've been seeing flashes, a lot of flashes, where I've been doing a lot of double takes and turning and saying, whoa, God, when was it? I think it might have even been today, where I was absolutely convinced that there was a person staring at me and I just kept looking and looking and looking, you know, but then it went away. It didn't consume my life. It didn't, it didn't hurt me. It didn't. And, and it didn't prevent me from living or resuming my daily life. I just got through it, you know. But we need to talk about these things. We need to share them. We need to understand that if Mr. Joe dumped the clonopin out into his lap today because he just couldn't cope, that I can almost guarantee out of the 500,000 people out there that are listening... Somebody else dumped the clonopin and right into their hands today, too, because they couldn't deal. So, that's why we need each other. And I ask you, I, I beg of you, I plead of you, and I don't have to share your story, but share your stories with me. If you would like me to share your story, you let me know. I'll keep your names anonymous. Reach out to me at Mr. Bipolar Joe on Twitter, or you could, of course, always email me at Mr. Joe BP at yahoo.com in closing I'd like to say if you are doing well and you have a mental illness I need you to continue to work hard if you love somebody you care about somebody who has a mental illness I ask that you continue to support that person in the very best way that you know how and if you are struggling right now with a mental illness or possibly an addiction I ask that you continue to fight and battle as hard as you possibly can. And most importantly, soldier on. Thank you for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. See you guys again real soon. I missed you guys so much. I can't wait to be back.